we have people from all backgrounds who come and learn dance from us. And every class we talk about what language that song is from, what kind of style it is, what part of South Asia it is from. There is some sort of small educational piece to it. And I think creating such spaces is very important where people from all ethnicities, all backgrounds come in and learn. You are listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host. Hi, I'm Dr. Alphonse Javed. Over the past year, we have had so many amazing guests on the show. We have talked about everything from chess ministry to immigration, urban missions to cricket, and gentrification to dance. We have heard so many stories of how God is working in urban settings, in Muslim contexts, and around the world. Every week, we share a new episode highlighting an important voice we believe deserves to be heard. But this month, we will be resharing our most popular episodes. Even if you have already heard them, we believe you can still learn something new. Please enjoy. Hello, welcome back to our Urban Voices. I'm your host, Dr. Alphonse Javed. Today, I'm joined by the executive director and founder of the South Asian Art and Theater House, DVMI. Our conversation today is going to be slightly different from most episodes, as we are going to focus on South Asia dance and why people in the U.S. should care about it. Many South Asians live in cities like New York City, where I used to live up until last August, and now I, I am living in New Jersey. I see here a lot of South Asians too. So dance is such a big part of South Asian culture. Before we jump in a little bit about Divya, like I said, she is the executive director of the South Asian Art and Theater House in Minneapolis. Divya is also a content creator with just under 60,000 followers on Instagram, where she shares videos of her dancing and wearing a sari in non-traditional places, such as uh, skiing under the hashtag saris adventures. Thank you so much for being here, Divya. Thank you. Thanks for having me. To start out, South Asia is a huge place with many languages and cultures. Uh, let's narrow down what South Asian and, and South Asian dance means for the purpose of this interview, especially for our Western audience. Yeah, South Asia is all the countries of Indian subcontinent, and it's India, Pakistan, Nepal, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, and um, many countries that come under the Indian subcontinent. And South Asian dance is all the dance forms that are included or come originated from these countries and it can be any of the classical dance forms any of the cinematic dance forms any of the folk uh, music and dance so it's a very broad variety and it is it has a very rich history from where it originates and comes from thank you so much let's jump in now what would you say in the cultural significance of the, of dance in south asia Dance, I think dance is a huge like place in South Asia. Dance has historically been a way to like bring communities together to like exchange that ex art of expression and just bring so much joy to people. And I think historically people have been dancing for, you know, at weddings, at festivals, at 
outside uh, like a, a community gathering and just dance has been, dance is a very integral part of South Asian history. That's awesome. And I am so happy for this conversation because uh, my wife loves uh, Bangra. And mm-hmm. she actually took me to, there was a um, studio in, uh, in the Bronx. So we went there for one of my, I think it was my birthday or something. She, mm-hmm. she was very excited for that. So yeah. South Asia can be very divided, right? Look at uh, Pakistan, India. Um, however, I like to ask you if you think dance can build bridges. I know it's, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be political, just so you know. If you mm-hmm. think dance can build bridges across these divides, for example, I'm from Punjab in Pakistan, but the Punjab region where Punjabi is spoken and there is a shared cultural heritage such as the Bhangra Punjabi dance extends on both sides of uh, the Pak-India uh, border. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think dance, it's dance and any art form for that matter is a huge, um, you know, it, it builds bridges. It builds bridges in so many different ways. And art has always been used as a form of activism um, to bring out a lot of like topics on social issues and with a big intention of bringing people together. And yeah, India, Pakistan is um, one such example. And Bhangra, you mentioned, you know, is originated from that region of Punjab, which belongs to both India and Pakistan, which was one region before, right? And I think, there are several similar stories like that. I was just reading recently. I did a um, small, you know, dance reel on the Siddhi community. Oh, in, yeah. Very specifically in Karnataka. So that's yeah. what uh, I did a dance on. And I learned so much more about the community itself, which is an African descent uh, tribal mm-hmm. community that is spread across regions of um, Karnataka, Gujarat, and also in Pakistan. And they have this really uh, powerful storytelling through music and dance that they have um, used as a tool to pass on that story of what happened to that community from generations before and the oppression and the uh, celebration and everything weaved into the music and dance. So I think just preserving that and continuing that itself is, you know, art changes everything is what I believe in. And that's one big example. Using these dance forms and kind of like practicing these here in the West uh, with people. And I think America especially gives us a huge opportunity to even interact with people from within India, within Indian subcontinent, within South Asia, from different, different regions who can, you know, come together. And I've, I've learned Bhangra from people from Punjab. I I'm from South India and I have taught South Indian dance forms to a lot of people from the north of India. I've learned Nepali dance. We just learned a Bangladeshi song and dance recently. So it's such a huge opportunity to have this cultural exchange. Mm-hmm. And, and when we're doing that dance, we never think of, you know, where you're from, where, mm-hmm. you know, what is your background? You're just you're a group of people who are enjoying that dance form and you're just, you know, teaching each other and just creating this global community without any biases. Devia, you hit some really big areas of our world. The crisis in our world can be resolved because of those concepts that you brought up. One, you talked about global community. 
you talk about cross-cultural, right? Cross-cultural communication, cross-cultural uh, global community. But then I'm thinking about also in terms of uh, um, building bridges. Uh, and this is something I think uh, it, politicians can also learn and religious uh, leaders can learn mm -hmm. uh, from uh, uh, different cultures is, uh, is that certain things in in our culture tell us the story of the people group so i'm thinking about i never i did not know african descents were there mm -hmm. in in the park right so there is the and a, a great invitation there is an invitation for anthropological uh, studies to kind of like even go back and look at that and connect mm -hmm. those dots but for me personally i think it's just interesting that how uh, you are going from south indian you're south indian right mm -hmm. i'm from and, right and you are teaching and learning from the north indian uh, community so there's a right there there's a connection teaching and learning so you're giving and taking so that's okay. mutual mm -hmm. mutual something going on so let me bring that to the united states uh, and in the west so mm -hmm. what would you say in the current viewpoint of um, a south asian dance in the in the U.S. right now, what is the what? What would you say? Where are we? Like Indian food, right? It's such a blanket statement. There's right. so many nuances to it. Uh, South Asian dance is exactly that. There's a lot of nuances to it, and I'm so glad and happy that Bhangra is getting that uh, place, and people are um, able to differentiate from between Bhangra and Bollywood, right? Right. Uh, and that's huge. That's really big because Bhangrak originates from a region which is where people would get together during, you know, mm -hmm, harvest mm -hmm. festivals and mm -hmm. in the fields. And that's how it originated. It tells a story of people on from one particular region. But if you make that as a blanket, you know, dance form is Indian dance. It doesn't right. what it mean, right? So that has to be demystified a little bit more. People should should understand what is Indian dance, what is Bollywood, where right. are the, what are the elements that contribute to it? What is Thathak? What is Bharatnatyam? What is South Indian dance? And even South Indian dance is so broad. The term. The United States has a huge, North America has a huge Indian diaspora now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, there are lots of these regional groups, um, you know, which, that are there preserving their language, preserving their art forms, preserving their um, cultures, because it's so nuanced. And I think what is like a, for a vision, if, if you ask for what is a broader vision, I think all these communities should like advocate more for that and bring awareness to a lot of these nuances and dance forms mm -hmm. that Indian subcontinent has to offer. Yeah. And then that just makes it so much richer. Right. Yeah. Because, uh, so here's what, how I see the United States. United States is a unique country. It's a country of people from other country. And uh, when I think about myself, I'm Punjabi. So the other day I was talking to my five years old and my oldest son is five. So their mom is uh, born and raised here. I am the one who introduced her to simple spices. I mean, she never had ginger right? Mm -hmm. Garlic. So now Pakistani or Indian food, her, uh, Northern Pakistani Indian food is her favorite food in the world. Uh, but with that also, I have a challenge because I am first generation immigrant and I'm sure many of the listeners can relate with that. 
my my fear is my son who is going to be the second generation right when he was by himself i used to speak in urdu with him and then uh, second one came along so i lost that because now mommy's speaking english everybody's speaking english so i stopped now my girls are there i have twin girls too so these are some of those ways i think if yeah. there is a place where people are doing my son loves dance mm-hmm. and when i told him that oh i daddy is uh, uh, pakistani and in pakistan i'm punjabi i'm in punjab i'm lahori i'm lahori mm-hmm. punjabi pakistani so you are too and i think in the united states totally agree with you i hope and i pray more people do cultural things and uh, do like more regional cultural thing don't just put them in that broad category so mm-hmm. i feel more connected when people say punjabi than uh, south asian when we say india or pakistan suddenly there is a resistance right you got to so pakistan pakistani guys there got their pride and indians got their pride but when you say punjabi i do not know i do not know why but suddenly it brings us together i do not know yes, exactly something so different Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, the, I take pride in Punjabi. I used to be embarrassed of Punjabi dance, but not anymore uh, because uh, it just it's unique. It's different, um, and it's so fun, though. Right? It, it's amazing. Yeah. And I think it's for so long because it's dominated by Bollywood uh, dance yeah. or the way they dance, so it feels like oh, they are superior dance because that is in the movie. but now i also think it's nice that um regional groups are doing something okay so do you think this viewpoint needs to change anytime the way i think the current one is just putting a blanket statement mm-hmm. for all of that region so- yeah i think what um what needs to change is the an understanding or awareness about there's so much more to yeah. that region to that place that you're coming from and i i think that will only happen when we have spaces like sad for example where it's a place where people can come in and understand those differences because we have people from all backgrounds who come and learn dance from us and every class we talk about what language that song is from what kind of style it is what part of south asia it is from there is some sort of small educational piece to it and i think creating such spaces is very important where people from all ethnicities all backgrounds come in and learn and just get richer yeah. in your knowledge base yeah and i think it also removes those uh, stereotypes or um, uh, you Correct. know usually yeah. um, part of um, you know when we say pakistani suddenly everybody thinks so i'm i'm a pakistani christian right but no matter where i am people when i say pakistani people just it, they, they they immediately think yeah. i'm muslim and mm-hmm. i must be up to something no good um i do not know that's just the perception and uh, um i think but when you say when you are reaching them from a perspective i'm punjabi and <laughs> uh bangra suddenly like oh Okay so he's talking yeah, none about of, none of the religious things come in play exactly when- right because the fun thing when when because people uh, that's another stereotype because a, a religion being religious means you can't have fun 
But yeah. when you yeah. think that somebody's having fun, dance is related to fun, having fun. So fun means that must not be religious. So that's another <laughs> layer of stereotype yeah. or that just the true. worldview, right? It's insane. So yeah. going off that, tell us the reasoning behind your sorry adventures. Uh, skiing in a sari is really cool, but I don't know how people do that. So tell us more about that. I have been skiing for a long time. So um, just doing it in sari was not hard for me. But I think what a takeaway from that is just being in the United States, like you said, there are a lot of stereotypes of, you know, uh, in general, in the world, I feel like when you wear a sari, there, there is a stereotype of, um, maybe you don't speak English or you don't, you, you don't know more or something that there, there is some sort of like, or you can't ski or right? you can't ski. Exactly. I was getting to that or you can't do that. Right. And that was one reason to like be seen in space, like untraditional spaces and wearing your traditional outfits and just breaking that stereotype right there and squashing it. Second thing is you don't see a lot of people of color on mountains. First of all, it's an accessibility issue. It's extremely expensive. I understand my privilege that I get to go skiing because it's an expensive sport and it's not accessible to a lot of people. But I think um, with that comes an assumption or people don't see people of, you know, of your origin or, or your um, color even on slopes. So it's very, once you wear a sari, like all eyes are on you. It's just capturing that attention to like say that, hey, there, there are a lot of people of color in this space that are sharing the same space as you are. And yeah. that immediately, there are so many people who stop by and say, I love what you're wearing. They're, people know that it's a sari and they give me a compliment. Sometimes people stop by and ask what I'm wearing. So I think that's also brings in that educational piece of you know what am I wearing what is this garment where does it come from and why is it important and maybe people go home and you know and and because the video got viral it, it was just so <laughs> overwhelming to see such positive comments that I didn't even think that mm. that that was the kind of emotion that this video would bring in a lot of people and I'm yeah. talking about a lot of first generation kids growing up right. here not getting to see a lot of their traditional wear being worn in, you know, in mm -hmm. their schools or colleges or, you know, places that they go out, which makes it a little more, you know, uncomfortable or embarrassing for them to wear. Seeing that video, a lot of people said, you know, it reminds me of my grandparents and just tells me that I can do this more often and I should be more proud to be wearing a sari and walking around in spaces. So I think those are all so powerful. Yeah, and I, I totally, I totally see their point because when you are a first generation immigrant, you're trying to fit in a new culture. A sim simulation is taking place. There are a lot of things on your mind. And uh, the last thing you want to hear is that, oh, you don't speak, are you wearing this thing? Word. So it's an embarrassing thing. But second generation and third generation, they are, they are American. They are from here. Yeah. And when they see something like, Oh, I missed on something he never said. So when my boy wears salwar kameez, he just, they just had a cultural day. He was very proud of it. My wife went, she found for both boys. They were very happy. And I don't, I mean, I don't even remember when I wore salwar kameez last time. Mm -hmm. So I think that is important to give them pride in their heritage. But also I think it speaks on a very different level. You are not saying, but I'm just saying for the sake of our audience, 
because I have done a lot of uh, podcasts on uh, social justice, racial injustice in our country. And I think when you doing these kind of things, it also removes that, it combats that kind of mentality, that kind of racial um, restrictions or uh, racial injustice in certain area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the that's a very soft and beautiful way to take pride. And that's why it takes a lot of courage. Recently, one of the person on my Twitter, she was asking uh, to the rest of the people too that uh, she's Afghan. She got here and there was heritage there too. So she wanted to wear Afghan uh, traditional clothes. And mm-hmm. I was like, go for it. People love it. Because when I was in college, my, my friends loved it. Um, and they actually wore that too. So you're going to always find haters, but always you're going to find there's so much more support. Oh, I agree. I agree. For every negative comment, you have 10 positive comments. Right? Yeah. And I, so, yeah, keep, keep making the difference. Uh, this is yeah. awesome. So mm-hmm. switching gears, what led you to start the South Asian Arts and the Theater House? And what has its reception been like? Yeah. So I started with a couple of my friends. We started Sat, which was previously known as Bollywood Dance Scene. And, and I came to Minnesota and I did not have a lot of friends. As an adult, it's so hard to meet people and make friendships. And I was seeking that out and went to a lot of different dance places, took a lot of dance classes. And then I was thinking like, what can I offer to do this? And like I mentioned before to you, there are lots of regional groups around here. So I could have opted for going to, you know, this Karnataka Association or from the region I come from, but I'm in United States and I am here to be a part of this community. So I was also seeking a broader community where I could interact with and learn from people from different backgrounds. And that was one of the reasons that I started teaching first. And then we created a small group and it started, started as a small performing group. And then we turned into a nonprofit because of how much interest there was in dance. And more than that, people just like me were seeking the same thing, a sense of community, a home away from home, especially for immigrants who move here and who are left feeling like they don't know anybody. It's hard to make friends, assimilate. And so a lot of other people who came to our uh, dance classes were also coming with the same intention. And today, this is our eighth year of Sat. And in between, we rebranded to call ourselves Sat because of the people who made up Sat, because it was no longer just Bollywood. It was Hmm. no longer dance alone. It was a very big focus on community. It was Mm -hmm. a very big focus on all the people that made up that organization and inclusive of non-Indians as well. So. We have a huge group of people now. We have around 200 people who we call as our community, our Saat community, from different places of India, from first generations, uh, different regions of South Asia, a lot of Americans. And even Americans who moved to Minnesota are also seeking the same thing, like a community um, that they can practice art with. Yeah. Toward the end, you said that uh, even non-Asians are participating in the uh, theater house performances, right? Mm-hmm. So have you ever gotten any complaint of cultural appropriation? And 
if, if so, how, me, how do you address appropriation that? is when people take something from your culture without understanding the culture aspect of it or without actually contributing or speaking positively of your culture, yeah. right? But people who make, who are a part of Saad are a part of Saad because they know our mission, they know our values, they know they're, we are all con constantly learning from each other. And if I'm talking about doing Bhangra, then am I culturally, you know, appropriating it because I'm not from <laughs> the region of Punjab? Right. right. And it's the same thing for me because I'm so passionate about dancing and I learn from people from those regions. I'm constantly my co-founder, Gina, is from uh, the region of Gujarat and she is an amazing um, dancer as well. And she's the one who teaches me Garba. And like mm. I'm learning from people who know that dance form and who have been raised amidst those dance forms and cultures. So. I think when you do that, you get a deeper level of understanding of that culture and mm. it becomes an appropriation. I, I love it. So there's a appreciation for the yes. culture. Therefore, you want to learn. Exactly. Very, very sober response. Very sober response. So in summary, what's the main takeaway that you want to leave the audience with? I think our biggest thing is if you're an immigrant here in the United States and you're like seeking for a community, just go to any of your cultural organizations, um, bring yourself there. Especially one thing that is constantly playing on my mind is a lot of people, especially women, come here on visas. And I'm thinking of like dependent visas as well, where they come in and there's absolutely no way for them to make connections with people, right? Because they can't work, they're just homebound. And they're so dependent on the partners and it is for mentally, it's exhausting. It's taking a toll and there's a lot of mental health issues. And I think creating spaces like Sat and creating a sense of community where you are, if you have something to give to the community, please go ahead and do that because there are so many people seeking out that connection. And I think you're going to be doing a lot, lot by offering that to people. And like I mentioned before, art is a huge game changer and it is very fun, but it is a very unintimidating way to bring awareness to a lot of social issue topics, a lot of, um, you know, bridging the cultural gaps mm. and calling out on, you know, social justice mm -hmm, topics. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a very powerful tool and yeah. come yeah. be a part I of it. Yeah, and I, I love the positivity, positive aspect of this, this approach to address stereotype or, or not even stereotype. I think it's beyond that in, in New York City. I think once you start meeting and interacting with people, the stereotypes automatically get squashed because you yeah. are now humanizing that and you're, not, you're seeing it from inside versus being an observer from outside. So yeah. that's... This is so cool because my wife is, uh, because she's married to a, um, you know, non-American person. So yeah. she has seen from inside how hard I had to try to, you know, go to school, learn yeah. and uh, excel and all that. So we had this, another friend, he was uh, from African, West African country, and he has a really thick accent. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were having conversation with some, another friend of ours. And that friend said like about this and that, and then she got on his 
case, I mean, this friend's case, she's like, okay, do you even know how many languages that guy speaks? Mm. And yet mm. on top of those languages, he speaks English. And I have no problem understanding that guy. And you, and I'm just sitting there listening to her defending this mutual friend of ours because she got a total different perspective because on average, uh, an American, any American, an average, um, they don't speak more than one language. And here you get, uh, um, and you know, the example I'm giving, uh, my wife's example, because, because she got to see from the inside different uh, uh, type of communities, because I'm friends with all kinds of uh, ethnic groups. So she has a very different understanding and appreciation. And when she defended that way for the very first time, I thought that, huh, that's interesting. I never thought that because I supposed to learn English because I came to this country. But mm -hmm. her point of view was, well, what you have done <laughs> other than being born in and uh, uh, here and having the language already, because this guy who comes in, because this guy was speaking French and there were two other languages he spoke yeah. on top of that from his ethnic uh, groups. And then he was speaking English and his English was really good English. And you're right. I think that will break down some of these issues. So great advice. Let me ask you if listeners want to learn more about South Asian dance, where do you recommend they start? Look out for local uh, arts organizations and be involved most. I would definitely suggest to be involved in nonprofit organizations because they're mm -hmm. always seeking out volunteers. There is so much work and it's so hard to run a nonprofit. And SAT is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Perfect. So I know from running it for so long, we always need people. So, yeah. so how should they get in touch with you and your organization? What, what are the so easiest we, ways? Yeah, um, we have a presence on social media. Our website is satmn.org and our social media handles are at satmn. That's S-A-A-T-H-M-N. And we are very active on Instagram. We have um, YouTube presence and we share a lot of dance videos and a lot of instruction videos, which are free. So go uh, watch them, learn there and donate to yep. Absolutely. our organization or any of the nonprofit arts cultural organizations because I was, they're definitely making a difference in the world. Yeah, I was about to mention that too. So don't forget 501c3 means it's a organization that run by donations. We're going to put all this information in the episode's description. So as we are getting ready to wrap it up, tell me quickly about your family and finish with a joke. <laughs> I am not a joke teller, but I'll see. My family is here in Minneapolis and my brother and sister-in-law also live close by. And I also have to mention that my Saat family is my huge family here. It's a family of friends and we celebrate everything together. And it's, it's been fantastic. And the joke? And a joke. I don't know what a joke. Uh, I can tell you like one of the comments of when I posted my sari skiing video recently, TikTok put this banner which says actions in this video are performed by professionals. And I just looked at it and I laughed. I was like, don't try this at home. <laughs> it was just funny. Thank you so much for being here with us. 
Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a wonderful conversation. And thank you for doing what you're doing and spreading a lot of awareness about South Asians in the world. Thank you so thank much. You. Again, that was Divya Maya from South Asian Arts and Theater House. And thank you to all our listeners. If you appreciate the podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the show and leave an honest review wherever you listen to your podcast. Tune in next week for more honest discussions from diverse voices. You've been listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, which presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Please check back for new episodes every week.